Aloha. This is Emily Thoreau-Thrift, host of the Grief and Happiness Podcast. Every Friday, I share with you my love notes, giving you a little something to think about as you navigate through your grief journey, finding happiness expanding along your way. And every Tuesday, I post my regular podcast sharing wonderful conversations with people you can relate to and who offer you encouraging ideas and helpful inspiration. I'm so grateful you're joining me and look forward to hearing from you your thoughts. My short podcast for today is called Cocooning. Cocooning is a time that all you can do is maybe sit at home in front of a fire, and that's okay. If you don't want to go somewhere, don't. Be easy on yourself now because grief is unpredictable. A few months before Ron transitioned, we were sitting on our lanai, Hawaiian for deck, in our beautiful backyard. We live on the side of Haleakala, a dormant volcano that gently slopes down our yard, vibrant with avocado, ficus, banana, and papaya trees, and much tropical foliage, including a giant hibiscus and lilikoi plants. We frequently witnessed rainbows from this perch, which appeared to be lower than we were, allowing us to think that we lived romantically over the rainbow. Enjoying the gentle trade winds, orange and black butterflies were plentiful, and we could actually land on Ron when they were attracted to him. He told me that there would come a time that every time I saw a butterfly or a rainbow or smelled smoke of a cigar, which he relished every day, that I would know he was near. A few months after he was gone, I was feeling in a vacuum where time seemed to be standing still and I couldn't connect with the world. Before I started being with Ron constantly because of his health, I loved doing ceramics. When we moved to to Maui, he had a perfect studio built for me in our yard, but I couldn't seem to go there to create. I felt blank. I decided I had to do something, so I signed up for a ceramics class at the Huinau Art Center in Makawao. The translation of Huinau is people coming together for a common purpose, for the development of artistic skill and the wisdom which derives from that expression. This sounded to me like a perfect place to open my path to healing. When driving to the class, I was surrounded by butterflies. I've never seen so many butterflies in the same place. They floated around my car for literally miles, and unlike before when I've had butterflies or moths come to their ends against my car, window, or grill, not one stuck to the car. And of course, that week there were rainbows too. This experience made me realize that what I'd been doing was cocooning. We have the big Brugmansia plant in our yard, which the common name for is angel's trumpet. I had noticed that it had been covered with caterpillars that were yellow and black, and I found it ironic that the butterflies, which were also in my yard, had been created from the caterpillars eating the angel's trumpet vines. I looked this process up, and it was different from what I'd been told in school years ago. What really happens is that the caterpillar sheds its skin, and a protective shell called a chrysalis is formed. Then everything inside the chrysalis turns into liquid that's similar to human stem cells. From this comes what are called imaginal cells, which sounds to me like the imagination where new things come from. 
Though there's no structural similarity between the caterpillar and the butterfly, these cells transform into beautiful butterflies. I remember in one of Ron's sermons, he told a story of a person who noticed the chrysalis moving. That person assumes that the butterfly was working to emerge, so he decided to help. But the process of breaking out of the chrysalis is crucial to the building of the strength of the butterfly so it can survive. And by the person helping this process along, the butterfly that emerged died. This made me think of my grief process. For several months after Ron's transition, I felt like that goo that forms when the transformation from the caterpillar to the butterfly. I felt it was too hard to think, to eat, to walk, to read, or really to do anything. During this time, I recorded and watched many silly romantic movies that I didn't have to think about. The plots were formulaic and there was always a happy ending. The movies were actually just background noise. If I stayed in silence or tried to listen to music, my monkey mind would run wild. The movies dealt the pain. I could lie in bed and actually feel like I was being held. I see now that I was in my own chrysalis and that I had to go through this process to help me adjust to my new life. Everybody will experience this transition in their grieving process in their own ways. This is the time when you prepare for or develop the skills that will help you move forward. For some, this gestation is relatively brief. Others take a long time. The key is to recognize that it's normal and to do what you need to do so that you can take care of yourself. I would sit on my lanai or soak in my bathtub without putting restrictions on me. This may be a time when you resist the change that you've been forced into. Everything can't help but be different without your loved one in your life. This was not something you can plan or escape. Releasing into the process will ultimately help you bring the peace and allow your butterfly to emerge. This is the time that your transformation occurs. You'll think new thoughts and do new things differently than you ever have before. No, this is okay. And as much as you would like to go back to the way things were before, you can't. Take this time to explore what you want to do now and be patient with yourself. This isn't a time for a quick fix or a magical solution. Your grief doesn't disappear, but you will become used to it. You will assimilate into your life so that it changes you from being all-encompassing to being a natural part of you. As you shed your old skin, you can shed your old habits that no longer serve you. You can grow and develop your new, beautiful, powerful wings. Many refer to death as a transition, but you're going through a transition too, and it may feel like you're dialing. Actually, the old you is dying. The new you will have different hopes and dreams and desires. You may have the tendency to fight this transition as you would to fight death if you're not ready, but that will only prolong the process. The most important part of the journey Ron and I shared was to commit to living in the moment. We dealt with any system that came, symptom that came up when it came up, and we did not worry in advance about what was going to happen next. And I didn't realize that he was really dying. Our moments were so precious. Sharing our love, having our wonderful talks, or just sitting in the silence, enjoying the beauty of our surroundings. 
His birthday was about a month before he left, and he was given the book The Death of a King by Travis Smiley, which was the story of Martin Luther King's last year. He wanted to read it, but he discovered that reading was difficult for him. So I read the entire book to him out loud. Those are cherished moments. Time stood still as we were immersed in the greatness of this man. Having this experience helped me to stay in the moment I was going through this cocooning process. All I dealt with was how I was feeling or what was happening to me at that time, right then. And living in the moment has allowed me to move forward one moment at a time. Right now, think about what you can do that feels best to you. You may like to have a cup of tea, go for a walk, read a book, record and watch silly romance movies. Whatever it is, do it. Don't judge yourself or your desires. I found myself putting together puzzles or playing Sudoku. The process of keeping occupied allowed me to not just sit and cry, although there's nothing wrong with that. Tears are cleansing, and I've certainly cried until my eyes feel dry. The key in not living in fear is the opposite of love. Right now, love yourself. Fearing being alone or feeling your future does not serve you. Loving yourself unconditionally will always serve you. This is the time to seek out a friend who's been through this process. Your friend may have experienced a different kind of loss, but everyone who grieves does go through a process of some form of cocooning. You may have lost a husband while your friend has lost a mother. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you can support each other. I noticed during this time of the deaths of both husbands, friends mostly kept their distance. I assumed that they didn't know what to say or didn't want to be dragged down into my despair. And I didn't seem to be able to reach out to my friends. If the experience is similar for you, this may be the time you'd like to seek counseling. There are many good counselors out there that specialize in grief. But I suggest you go to one who has actually experienced loss. A common experience can make all the difference in the world of how helpful a counselor can be. Cocooning can be hard on your body and soul. Be aware of this and take care of yourself during the process. Be sure to rest, to eat, and to exercise. And in the words of Dr. Alan B. Wolfelt, Feelings have one ambition, to be felt. So feel what you feel, love who you love, grieve how you grieve, but most of all, be gentle with you. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.